0: Hey, what's going on, everyone? Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Building Pickleball, where I interview pickleball company and brand founders to uncover their story as a founder, their idea, setbacks, failures, and their contribution to the fastest growing sport, pickleball. Our guest today is Ryan Cohen, co-founder of Lolaire Pickleball. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Uh, Can you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. so it's pretty cool because everyone that plays pickleball, um, the connections you get to make through playing the sport. Um, I've met so many new friends and, um, you know, people to collaborate with and actually met you, Brian, playing pickleball um, even before before Valera was even thought of, uh, which is pretty cool. So uh, just a little background. Um I've known Julian Arnold since I was like 11 years old. Uh, we both grew up in San Luis Obispo, California. Um, he was a superstar tennis player since the day I met him. And, you know, that was his main sport. I love to play basketball and football, but we both would play basketball together a lot. Um, so that's how we bonded. Um, and so just became really good friends. And, um, you know, after high school, he went off to UCLA to, uh, play tennis and I went into my family business, which was, um, restaurants. And so I thought that was like, going to be my career path. And, um, you know, I was just working at a family restaurant for a while. And, um, I got to a point where I had like a side business that was doing pretty well. So I went on to pursue, um, buying and selling tickets for concerts and live music, festivals and sporting events as a full-time job. Um, I'd been doing it as a side hustle since I was 13. Um, so when I was, I think about 19, you know, I was already doing that full-time and I kind of told my dad, Hey, I got one more year and you know, then I'm, I'm out of the restaurant, uh, business, which, um, you know, I thought I was gonna do restaurants my whole life growing up. Uh, that was my, my dream. Um, so fast forward a little bit later. Um, yeah, I've been doing the ticket business for a while. Um, I have a few other businesses also. But then um, when Corona um, happened, I went from playing basketball like four or five days a week at the gym. Um, and then they closed all the gyms um, because of Corona. And I live in Austin, Texas. So I actually had a buddy that had grown up with Julian and myself that also lives in Austin. His name is Zach. And he kept asking me, hey, you know, you want to come play pickleball? You want to come play pickleball? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I don't know if I know what that sport is. And I was kind of hesitant at first. Um, But then he was like, hey, I'm at Bolden Acres right across the street from where you live. You know, let's go play some pickleball. And I was like, man, I I need to go get some exercise. So um, I went over there, um, had so much fun. Like, obviously, I didn't even learn all the rules in my first time playing. um, But I just felt that it was just such a fun activity. I didn't really have a, Racket sports background, um, but I, you know, I, when I play basketball or football, like I'm, I'm a hustler, I'm a grinder, so I was able to have a good time like playing pickleball and and feeling that I was truly competing. Um, and you know, from there, I, I, I kind of got hooked. Um, and I had a lot of free time um, during Corona because, again, my my main business is uh, tickets for live entertainment, and um, they you know, pretty much put a halt on that whole industry. Um, so I went from, you know, working full time to just having a lot of free time. And so I was playing pickleball, you know, two, three, four hours a day in the morning so that I could be tired and not feel like I was like, you know, being unproductive. I, you know, at least felt like I got a really good workout and, you know as i'm getting addicted to pickleball i was doing this with my girlfriend at the same you know we we're, we're getting addicted at the same time um i would call up julian who was still living in san luis obispo and he was doing tennis lessons um because he had made it a name for himself locally as a um, a really good tennis player so he was doing tennis lessons and i'd reach out to him and be like hey julian you, you got to play pickleball like uh, i'm telling you it you could be i think you could be really good and he kind of just had like what I would consider the typical tennis player attitude of like, no, like that sport's easy, like, you know, tennis is tennis is where it's at. Like uh, that, like that sport's, you know, it's just not as competitive, it's not hard. And so um, I kept just calling him and just bothering him, being like, hey man, you got you gotta check out pickleball. And um one time or or before this, um I looked online because I was just like, I wanna go on a vacation, but I also want to learn how to play pickleball and get better. Um, and at the time I had a, a couple lessons, uh, locally here in Austin. Um, Riley Newman had actually came through and, um, I got a lesson from him. And so I was starting to like, you know, actually learn strategy and learn the game, but I still f- did not know a lot of the game. I was still fairly new to it. So, um, my girlfriend, and I went to, um, one of the Ben Johns pickleball getaway camps and it was in uh, Mexico. And so we went out there for five, six days and, you know, got to see what the top level pros were playing at. And even though, you know, when they were playing, everyone was oohing and aahing, but like, I knew I was like, they're playing like 60%. Like, I just, I understand how, you know, they're not going to go out there and go play hundred um, percent unless they really need to, you know, bring it. Um, so yeah, I learned, learned how to actually play pickleball at that camp. Um, and while I was there, you know, I got to know a lot of the, the, you know, top pros of the time, Um, Michelle, Rob, uh, Colin, uh, Ben, those were the main, um, pros that were teaching. And, um, the average age of the camp was probably like 60, 70. And and right now I'm 32. So I think I was 29 at the time or 30. And so we got to hang out with a lot of the pros, like, you know, when we were like off you know, not during the camp, but like throughout the rest of the week in Mexico, um, just because we were a little closer in age, so got to know him really well. Um, and so that was a cool experience. You know, something usually where in other sports, at least from my experience, you don't get to mingle with the the top, the best of the best, and you know have those experiences. You know, because usually they're just like, you know, have thousands of fans just you know try and get a glimpse or a second with them, and um, you know that wasn't the situation. Um, and you know pickleball is still fairly new and like now there's a lot more celebrities that are interested, but before and still now like pickleball, you can still reach out to your, your favorite player and, and you might get a response, which is really cool. Um, so while I was there, you know, at the end of the camp, I, I, I told Ben Johns, I was like, Hey, um, my buddy is really good. Um, he was a really intense player growing up and, um, you know, I'm going to try to get him into pickleball and, and, and have him compete as a, a top pro. And I said, I said to him i said the day that um you know julian beats you like just remember like it's it's your fault you got me hooked on pickleball you you got me um wanting to continue to like play and you know and just have pickleball as part of my life um so fast forward a little later um i think it was thanksgiving i was back in san louis and I, i think julian had maybe played a couple times by then and he had some clients that he taught tennis to that had said to him hey you know you should look into pickleball you should teach pickleball and at the same time i was calling julian like hey you gotta play pickleball so during thanksgiving i you know kind of was like hey come play just i know it may not be fun but just do it for me like i want to you know have this experience so he it was my girlfriend my dad julian and myself and um my dad had just done like an extremely hard hike where we were just like, man, like, okay, I guess we're going to go play pickleball. And so my dad came and bent his knees. It was his first time ever playing. So he was just not having fun because he, you know, he likes to compete and he was just like, man, I can't even hit the ball. I'm like, yeah, you got to bend your knees. So it was Julian and my dad versus my girlfriend and myself. And um, we won the first game and, you know, I told, you know, it was we had a good time, but, you know, Julian reached out to me later and said, Hey, you know, that was a lot of fun you know we you know not that it was competitive or serious but he's just like that was just fun like we're out there laughing having a good time and um so then i'm still just keeping in contact with julian and and i don't know maybe another month and a half goes by and he's like hey i'm i'm hooked like i've been playing uh multiple times a week i'm having so much fun and he's like i'm good i'm getting i think i'm getting pretty good at this and i was like oh, I, I believe you and so um he's like i'm signing up for a tournament and, you know, Julian, he's a competitor. He signed up at the pro level. He had never competed um, at pickleball. He'd only been playing for a couple months. Um, and the level that he was competing against, you know, um, you know, no no pros, um, you know, some 5 O's, some 4.5s. You know, that was the competition that he was, um, you know, practicing against. So he didn't really know, you know how he stacked up. Um, he entered a tournament. Um forgot who he lost to, but he lost, he lost, I think he got like through the qualifier, but then, um, you know, he, he lost to like a pretty good pro. Um, and you know, we had a couple conversations and I was like, Hey, like, do you want to try to do this? Like, is this something that like you want to pursue? And like, you know, do we think we can do this? And, you know, we were both excited and we we're both like, yeah, we think we can do this. Um, and so to just the, my biggest fear was that we were going to pursue this. And, you know, if for any reason, one of us felt like we had let the other, you know, the other person down that like, that would like hurt our friendship. It's so always a really big fear of um, both of ours. So um, luckily I, you know, I, I reached out um, to, to Ben and I was like, Hey, like I got my buddy. He's, he's like starting to play pro or wants to play pro. And do you have any like pro trainers that you know I could have him sent to and just like kind of check him out, and see how good he is?
0: Can I pause you there? Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to rewind. This was interest. I mean, it's definitely fascinating that this happened all like within a two year span. Um, but kind of, kind of rewinding and going back, what was your role in the family business with the restaurants?
1: Yeah, yeah. So. Ever since i was i don't know I'd say like not in eight nine years old, like I was working my summers in a family restaurant it was dishwasher for like five years and 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 my dad really had you know the attitude of like hey, you know, one day this could all be yours, and if you want it to be like the there's like a path to 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 be really successful at it and you know his path was all about um really learning each and every job and every aspect of the the business so that you know as you you know later when you're working with someone you can know hey that person is actually like doing what they're capable of or you know i'm asking stuff that's unreasonable of them so um you know i pretty much did every single job um in a restaurant growing up um you know 5 years as a dishwasher I was a busser for five, six years. Also, um, but like at the same time, while I was busing at the end, I started serving when I was old enough to, um, I did not cook. I was not in the kitchen at all. Um, uh, my dad more had me focusing on the business um, side of it instead of, um, the, the kitchen side of it. Um, which, you know, now looking back, everyone's like, wait, you grew up in a restaurant. You don't know how to, you don't know how to cook well. I'm like, no, I focused on everything else. So, um, then yeah i did some bartending um i was pretty slow at that so i you know i did not enjoy that too much but i got into managing i think when i was like 19 or 18 or 19 i started managing full time and um yeah i I thought that was my my career path um for the rest of my life and again i thought that at a very young age um and, and then i and then i got to the point where I have a lot of creative ideas and a lot of things that I wanted to do, whether it was in the restaurant or outside the restaurant, you know, business ideas mostly. And um, yeah, I, I, with all these ideas, like I wanted to go pursue them and I'd have ideas in the restaurant, but the my family restaurant was ran so well that like when I would manage, I was pretty much like babysitting my dad's like perfectly oiled machine. And so there wasn't too much creativity on my part and there wasn't really, you know, everything was good. You know, a lot of the workers had worked with him for 20, 30 years. So like they all knew exactly what was expected and um, they would actually like, if there was a new worker that came in, they would kind of like keep them, you know, in, you know, on the team and be like, Hey, like, this is what we expected. It wasn't just coming from management or the owner. It was coming from, um, you know, this family that had grown up, you know, for years. And my dad, when I was young, had uh, a seafood restaurant um, in Apollo Beach called Old Port Inn. It doesn't um, exist anymore, but then he opened another restaurant um, when I was in high school called Chippino, and that was, so he had two seafood restaurants. And um, yeah, so my experience was I, I did every single job um, besides in the kitchen. And I, I learned a lot, I learned, You know what goes into each and every job uh the you know the things that are hard the things that can be expected of each and every single uh person and so um yeah when i was um you know managing i could talk to any worker except for the kitchen and say hey you know i i i have a good idea what's you know possible and you know yes you're you know you're doing a lot you're doing great or i could also be like hey you know we we know you know more can be done or whatever it is like or we this is an issue this is not working for our system and so in the big picture it was a well-oiled machine and my creativity was super limited and i would have like some i'd say really creative ideas and my dad would really have the attitude of like hey everything's working as is and so yeah that was um kind of where i i think another another big driving factor was i was like the schedule of a restaurateur is it's, it's nonstop. I mean, it's, it's your whole day. There is no schedule. I mean, there's times I had to be at work to clock in clock out, but it's not like when I went home um, work was not still part of what I had, like as a responsibility when I was managing or, you know, running the restaurant. And again, um, I'd seen my dad, his whole life, um, you know, live the restaurant lifestyle and, it's something I always wanted and, you know, growing up, but then I realized that, you know, that restaurant, everything he was doing was limited to our small town of San Luis Obispo. And a lot of my ideas and creativity, like I wanted my ideas or my thoughts or uh, to attempt what I wanted to do, like at the scale of the USA or the world, like those were uh, what I saw possible. And so at a young age, I really, you know, learned how to use the internet uh, pretty well and was doing some side hustles along the way, along this restaurant career. And um, I had a business partner um, starting at 13 where um, we were buying and selling basketball cards on eBay. And, you know, that kind of took off into event tickets and uh, just kind of expanded. And so I got to a point where I was kind of, you know, dreading the restaurants and like not enjoying it. And I just, I didn't feel that it was, it wasn't my passion, is what I was realizing pretty fast. And yeah, it's,
0: yeah, it's interesting when you're the offspring of an entrepreneur that, yes, yeah. and they want you to kind of carry on that business. It seems like oftentimes when it's your turn to run it, a lot of that fun stuff has already been done because, like, I, I can, I mean, I, I use the word fun like kind of loosely, I think. When you start a business, a lot of the struggles, the ups and downs, what makes it worthwhile, what makes, yeah, what makes it all like worth it in the end, is that kind of fun stuff. Like when you're being creative and you have to find um, different ways of competing with other people and trying to do things kind of differently. And the idea of like execution, timing, innovation, marketing, and branding. Like I feel like a lot of that stuff had already been done by your dad. And by that point, by the time he wanted you to run it, it's like, cool. Now you're just like kind of managing it. And like you said, you have a lot of creativity, which that could have also come from your father. So you're now looking for like an outlet. It seems like that outlet was this ticket selling business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, And, and so I always was a hustler. Like, on the side, like I just, and it's not like anyone told me, Hey, go do this. It was, it was always like, you know, my own ideas or like collaborations with, um, my first business partner, James, or like with my dad, we would walk our dog every night and we lived on a golf course and we would collect golf balls and sell them back to that golf course. And then also to the other golf courses. And then I would take out the best golf balls that were you know pro b ones and I could sell those on eBay for you know way more money so I was I, you know that and that we were doing that every single night and so that was um you know my dad always encouraged the you know being you know having your own ideas and like pursuing them so like that was how I worked like we'd be like, hey, let's go get some golf balls and like he was a big golfer, so he already knew he's like okay this is where all the people are going to hit out of bounds. And he was friends with the owner of the golf course. So we we had permission to go down onto the golf course at night, walk our dog and, um, you know, collect a bunch of golf balls. And so we did, we did that for years, like a few years. And this is when I was like probably 12, 13, 14, 15. And these walks with my dad were not just – the goal was not to get golf balls, but that was a, a byproduct that was like, and I, and I made some good money with it, but like those walks were just, you know, I, I grew up in a family of a blend of five kids and that was kind of my, you know, alone time with my dad. It was like us on these walks. So it'd just be, you know, sometimes some other kids would go, but like, you know, we're, we're hiking through the out of bounds areas of a golf course that's super hilly. And so we're, you know, we're looking for golf balls. So we, that was our bonding kind of talk about life, talk about whatever was on my mind, whatever was on his mind. And, um, and yeah, really just bond. And uh, you know, that was our quality time. Um, And so, yeah. So we were looking for golf balls, but then kept, you know, later at some point in my life, I was selling like avocados for my neighbor's tree. And then when I got my business partner, James, like we started by like literally um, like recycling and dumpster diving for recycling like we he grew, he grew up in San Louis near Cal Poly where all the parties were and we would go knock on houses and say hey we'll clean up all your parties cans and these college kids were stoked like they're like you're gonna clean up my house we're like yeah and we're stoked because we're like oh we're gonna recycle all of this these cans and so then we got into some painting addresses on you know The curbs and that was that was a good one. And like so just kind of evolved. And then, you know, we kind of always just kept finding what we thought was like, okay, this is worth our time more. So let's focus more on it. So um then we started getting more online and doing, you know, basketball cards and we were able to scale that business, you know, at the age of 14, you know, I'd say pretty large. I don't remember the numbers, but um and then yeah, it turned into tickets and you know, we're we're using all of our own money, you know draining our bank accounts, buying a couple tickets, because, you know, however much money we had, we'd buy a couple tickets and, you know, just kept bankrolling it and, um, and and had a lot of uh, success um, at at a young age. And I think one of the, the best things were, like, I was not afraid to fail at all. And James was a really good supporter, where he was like, all in on like my ideas, but he also could like pull me back from like, you know, going too far. And like, you know, there's like a definitely a a healthy balance that's needed sometimes, because you can be really aggressive and have, you know, big ideas, but you can you can also collapse if you go too far. Um, Yeah,
0: Can you tell me about any ideas that you like you said, your dad always encouraged you to have ideas and pursue them. Can you tell me about any ideas that didn't
1: pan out? Yeah, um, I don't I don't know if there's any one particular idea that didn't pan out, but like a lot of different aspects or like um, ideas within a business or a project that did not pan out, it happened multiple times. One that really uh, was a funny one, and my dad even tried to warn me of like from his own lessons, and I I didn't listen, and he was like, "Okay," which I respect that he like he he's, he tried to give me some advice. So at the time, I think I was sixteen, 16 or seventeen. In my and the family restaurant had a taco booth that was at a farmer's market on Fridays at the beach in Avila Beach, and it was a really fun farmer's market. And we were like the most popular booth selling fish tacos, and it was myself and like all my friends, like like even Julian. You know, Julian worked there for a little bit. Um, he burned all the tortillas for the fish tacos, and he so was, you know he he wasn't there too long um but uh it was just all the friends so we'd have a good time working together um all my best friends and um we got to a point where we we're like hey i think we could sell some cool t-shirts that say like follow me for two dollars off you know fish taco or a dollar off fish taco and people will buy these shirts and then they'll also wear them and they'll get discounts and then on friday people will be walking all over with these shirts and people are gonna be like oh like what's up with that shirt? So um James and I, we were like, okay, we're going to make some shirts and tank tops. And we did, we got like someone to take us some professional photos of fish tacos and the, the photos looked really good. Um Found a shirt company and locally, and we printed in our first order. I'm just guessing probably three or 400 shirts. And we had like, Taking surveys from people at the fish taco booth and like everyone was just telling us like oh yeah I'd buy that I'd buy that I'd buy this we're just like oh my gosh this is gonna be a home run so uh my dad was like hey maybe start with like 50 shirts maybe like 100 and like kind of see how it goes and I was like no dad like everyone's everyone's they're all gonna buy it like they're all t- saying they're gonna buy it and he's like okay like you know you do you do you so I'm like okay so we buy like 400 shirts and i think out of the shirts i think maybe like 100 or 150 were tank tops and so then we start selling them and we started off all right because like you know everyone a lot of these people came every week so we started off and like some of the locals and like the diehards like they all bought a shirt and we like started off kind of good we're like hell yeah this is like this gonna be so good uh and then it really died off because then no one was buying a shirt, like really at all. And I was like, Oh crap. Like, okay, well, I don't know. You know? And then I realized I was like, Oh man, all these people, they were just telling me like, yeah, we'd buy that. Like just out of excitement. And like, you know, I don't know, maybe they didn't want to crush my dreams or like, you know, I I was 16 year old kid and I I had a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of excitement. So I don't know, but it didn't translate to sales um, how we had thought. But the funny thing was, We um we sold out of tank tops because year like years later so we sold you know maybe about four hundred maybe we sold like sixty of them seventy of them I don't even know maybe a little bit more not not sure but not enough to get our money back we lost money and so then we just have these boxes of shirts just sitting there and like a couple years later I'm just like man this is awful like I got these shirts I don't even want to look at them anymore they they just they kind of piss me off like you know, that I have these in my possession. And um, I I went, well, before donating them, I started listing some on eBay and the tank tops started like selling really well because like, I guess it kind of looked like a frat tank top in a way, but it just, we literally put frat tank top in the description. And so the tank tops were doing great. And so, However many of those we had, we'd sold some and and we're pretty like stoked about that, but we couldn't even sell a t-shirt. Um, and we ended up just donating all of them uh, locally um, to Goodwill because we just didn't want them, you know, in our site anymore in our garage. So yeah, that one did not pan out. Um, I think there's a lot of situations like that, that it's not like it went bad, but what sometimes I, like is a hard thing to gauge is when you're really excited and you have a lot of, you know, you feel like, okay, I'm about to make this decision. I'm going to do it sometimes over being over, um, over expecting the results. And so, you know, not starting small, but like starting big Um I've had that happen in other situations too. Um But yeah, so that one was a one that I remember overall though. I try a lot of things in my businesses and when things don't go right I I don't really think of it as like it went bad or like that was a bad idea. I'm still glad I attempted it because like as I try like 5 6 things, one or two things might really stick and really um advance the business in a way that would have never happened if I was not trying to be, you know, pursuing just a bunch of, you know, creative ideas or like kind of out, out of the box ideas. Um, definitely in every business I've been in, like I've had, I've had major losses. I've had major successes. So, um, yeah.
0: So then after an experience like that, maybe that was, um, one that kind of stuck with you. What do you look for when you're in the process of considering which ideas to pursue and which not?
1: Yeah. Um, so, if, like, in my when I was in my ticket business, if I have any ideas in my ticket business, I kind of pursue all of them. Um, I have a very large team, of a lo- a lot of uh, support, and a lot of people that can take my ideas. Or at one in particular, um, you know, my um, business partner currently, is Zach Hogan, the um, who I also grew up with, and you know, so he really can help support and take my ideas and. Add processes around them, or um, you know get um, the help needed to make those things happen. Um, so when it comes to ticketing, I pursue almost every idea. Um, and I've been doing it for so long that when I do think of a, a new idea, um, they're not too out there. They're kind of you know maybe not how other people are doing things, but it, it has a very low like cost of trying. And the upside is extremely large. And, but when it comes to my other businesses, um, I have an NFT business where I, I buy and sell digital um, art and also some physical art too. Um, I kind of picked, I did a lot of that during Corona, taking my time. I love art. So that was what drew me to learn a lot about that during Corona. Um, so in my pick wall business and in my art business, um, I take way more calculated risks. Like I'm not trying to just do everything all the time, um, because it stretches a lot of my, um, available energy and like how much time I can actually focus on, you know, these ideas. And it's a lot more of me actually doing the legwork and everything around it on my own, um, with the art business. And then with the pickleball business, um, you know, if I have an idea, I have to put together the process. I have to, you know, do a lot of the legwork to make things happen. Um, I do have support from people, um, you know, that are, you know, part-time or independent contractors to help us um, throughout the whole business. But, um, yeah, it's a lot more work. So I, before I get into one of them, I, I really think it out. I, I talk to some people that I like to bounce my ideas off of. Um, that have just known me, you know, a long time and can really give me their opinion. Uh, I've like a small, you know, my family and friends, just really small group where I'm like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I want to do. And, um, they'll listen to me and give me their feedback. And, um, yeah, so I, I do a lot more, a lot of thought before I even pursue a certain thing. Like, um, and also with the pickleball business, because we're a new brand and this is the first time I'm like actually being a customer facing brand, every other business I've been in besides the restaurant, I've been more behind the scenes. Um, I've been very, you know, calculated on like, okay, this is my creative idea for this. This is my creative idea for this part, but I don't want to have 20 different creative ideas because as a new business, it just looks like you'd be all over the place. Um, so really just focusing on a couple and then, um, bringing them, you know, to light, like the Andiamo push button, like, you know, that is something that we give out our um, signature gift boxes with flare paddles and it. It's a push button that has Julian yelling some of his, um, you know, phrases, you know, Andiamo, let's go, bye, like, you know, and so, you know, that one came alive because of, I, I'm really good at like, seeing something that exists and being able to like, improve it like i'm not coming up with these things out of nowhere i guess i just i I like to improve what i've already been exposed to so like my mom had gotten me a while ago a push button of donald trump saying you're fired and like from uh, you know the apprentice show and so i would have that button and and i never really used it but in my closet and like i would click it as like you know never used it on someone as like you're fired because that would just be like the weirdest way to fire someone with a, a freaking push button of Donald Trump. But I thought it was a funny, uh funny thing. And um you know that idea was just like, okay, well Julian's the only person that yells, you know, a lot of these phrases. You know, some people might have like a couple things they yell, have a catchphrase, phrase, but like Julian, like that's um, you know, a lot of his a lot of his energy. He's, you know, a loud, passionate um performer. And um you know, yeah, that was just like, Oh, I think that'd be really funny. I think people would push this. I think it would be just something creative and unique. Like I haven't seen that in the pickleball world, but if anyone's going to have a push button, it would be Julian. So, um, but I'm not trying to do like 30 of those different funny things at the same time. Cause, um, I just don't think that the business, you know, being so new would, um, you know, look like we know what we got going on.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, between your NFT business and the pickleball business, how are you prioritizing between those two businesses? And also uh, I guess in kind of, as far as like work-life balance too, um, how do yeah. you manage all three of those?
1: Yeah, so um, I I really don't like schedules. Um, I'm not really like a schedule person. Um, I'm a pretty, free flower, but I love to work. Like working is like when I am working, I, I like, you know, I'm not doing projects or no one's telling me, Hey, you need to do this. Like all everything I'm working on. It's, you know, a lot of it's my ideas and like, um, you know, like my own creativity where I'm like, okay, this is fun. Like a lot of fun. Um, so if I'm wrapped up in something like I can work on it, endless hours, like, you know, like, an, you know, an, you know, unhealthy amount of hours if like in the ticketing world if there's something i'm like oh i'm this is what i'm working on like i can work on something for three days uh 12 hours a day for three days straight and it could be one thing um you know and so i you know that's how i've worked in the past and now that the pickleball business is um you know part of my businesses that i run um, it's a little different um i'm connecting with a lot more um other people. So it's, you know, there is a little more scheduling going on. Um, but you know, when I wake up, I have a to-do list of things like, I will only put something on my to-do list if I know I have to do it like by a certain day. Um, and then those are the things that I attempt to, you know, make sure I actually do. Like I have a meeting, I have to do it. Um, I have to ship something out by this date. Okay. I have to do it. So those are the, the first things I look at. And then after that, um, I, kind of fill in my time with, um, you know, I, I jump around businesses or I'll focus on one really, I put my effort wherever I feel, um, is either the, the biggest thing that I want to improve or the, the, the biggest project where I think it has the best return um, like for success and money. So like the pickleball business, like I'm not trying to go make as much money as I possibly can right now. Like the goal is to like, become a respected brand in pickleball and, you know, have good products, you know, do the right things and kind of worry about money later. Um, the profits later, cause you know, if I put out a good product and, um, good content and you know, it's really consistent and everyone's enjoying it. Like I know that later the money will come. So this business I'm again, it's so new that like right now I'm just, I'm, I'm investing, I'm investing, I'm investing. Um, so yeah, it's, pretty much try to have as little of a schedule as possible. Uh, Put all my means on Wednesday if possible. Um, And then um, I've been putting more time into training for my ticket business um, because I'm trying to get that to run itself in the next year and a half and kind of have like minimal input from, from myself. And like right now it still relies on me to, um, to do really well. Um, So right now that's been a main focus of mine is like, so right now I'm doing on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm doing like a couple hour training session in the morning um, and I'm going to keep doing that. And I'm training five people at the same time that are five of our stronger uh, workers to really learn a lot of high level um, things that are like. Kind of I've been like keeping like to myself, and like in my head, because I've all, like I've had fears of like if I train someone how to do these things, they can go run off and just do it without me. and um that is still possible and it's happened in the past, but these five ladies I'm working with right now, like I've been working with them for five years and I'm, I'm just super excited to like teach them everything I know. Cause they're, they're so bright and I know that that will allow that business to continue to grow without me um, really need to put a lot of work and you know time into it. So, um, and then with, you know, Valera right now, everything, because it's a business where I have not, dealt with customers as much where i'm like a customer facing i'm learning a lot right now as i go so like i'm pretty much trying to work on one major project at a time maybe two but i don't want to like try to tackle all you know 10 things that i do want to tackle all at the same time um because i just want to have all the content and product be just very high level and um not try to like spread my energy too thin where we're putting out, you know, possibly a bunch of crap that, um, is going to just, you know, not, not help us succeed. So like the first priority overall for the paddle, paddle company was like the paddle itself. And so, um, you know, we came out with our first paddle, the Mach one Julian signature paddle. And, um, you know, right now we are getting a lot of good feedback on that. We are making a little tweaks. Um, but overall, like, we're like, okay, cool. Our paddle's good. It's high quality. People are enjoying it um, at all levels. And um, so then like, I'm like working on the next things. And like the next big thing we're working on right now is um, we're putting together our ambassador program, which we'll be releasing in the next few weeks. And so that's been taking up a lot of my focus now. So I guess how do I divvy up my time? It's mostly project-based and, Um, but starting with what I would consider the things I have to do. And then it's me flowing between, okay, I want to work on this project or this project is my highest priority for this business. And right now the pickleball business is my passion project. So it's getting a lot of my attention. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I can't help, but, you know, think through a lot of situations or ideas for the pickleball company, like all throughout the day. Um, you know, that's, yeah, where my, I mean, that's where my mind goes when, when I'm, when I'm being creative um, and, and not, you know, sitting on a computer.
0: Definitely. Um, when you were talking about how you want your ticket to business to be self-sufficient, essentially, and you're going through training right now for, and you have these five ladies that you want to be really successful. And considering the fact that you don't have children right now, like what is something that you want to them to know about the business that you don't think that they can learn from
1: training or books? Something I want them to know that they can't learn from training or books, um, that as you, I I mean, I, I tell them this all the time, but like, it's a never ending learning, like, there's no end, like, Hey, I know everything. Like in the ticketing world, it's, it's ever evolving. Um, And so just being able to be flexible to know, hey, this might be working now, but always be looking for ways to improve or like be open to other ideas to uh, make things happen, because in the ticketing world, um, there is not. A blueprint of this is how you do it to succeed like there is a hundred ways to play the game there's more than a hundred ways there's a hundred ways to succeed in the ticketing world and some people focus just on one aspect some people focus on 10 some people try to do all of them and um you know overall like just because i taught them how to do something one way doesn't mean don't be open to that there might be other or better ways to do it and to you know, when you test it in the ticketing world, you can test it on a very small sample size and figure out if the mechanics even work or not. Um, but yeah. So I just say, just be open to that. There could be better ways to do things. than then, because again, everything I know is from trial and error and no one told me how to do it. So like there are better ways to do things and I, and I just don't know what they are. Um, so yeah, just being open to that because you know, they look at me as like, oh, you're the boss. You've been doing this since you were 13. Um, you know, if Ryan teaches me this, then this is how this is the best way. And as of now, it's the best way I'm aware of. Is more of the not like the lesson I'd be saying for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I love that. Um, speaking of better ways of doing things,
1: Volare
0: is, I think, a newcomer to the pickleball hardware and technology game, uh, coming out since. I guess, coming out in 2022, like, what is something that you saw as deficient in um, either like the pickleball, pickleball paddle businesses? Um, Yeah. I think like, what do you think was like missing and like, kind of like, how did you think that coming out with Volare would be more successful
1: or different in what
0: it could contribute to this sport?
1: Definitely. So So um, when Julian and I both said, hey, we're going to, you know, pursue this full time, you know, I sent him to a trainer and the trainer was like, hey, your buddy doesn't know what he's doing. And he's like top 10 right now. And I was like, "Okay," And I was like, "Okay, do do we pursue this? And he was like, yes, you know, you guys should pursue this. I'm like, "Okay, cool. Like, again, the main thing was like we didn't want to potentially have a falling out based on us pursuing something that we didn't have a chance to succeed at. so that was our first thing. And so I was Julian's financial supporter throughout his, you know, first year of pickleball. And so, you know, I had him move in with, with me in Austin. I was like, Hey, move to Austin. You know, you're, you're on the road most of the year anyways. But so he went to all these tournaments and is competing, you know, across the APP and PPA and MLP. And, um, Yeah. We started off with Julian was using, um, Electrum, um, Julian's girlfriend, Lauren, um, was sponsored by Electrum. So, um, you know, we kind of had a connection there and, um, Julian was using the model E and I, I was doing Julian's, um, like I was communicating with the paddle companies or other potential sponsors. So I was, you know, doing managing also. And I was, as I was communicating with them, Um, you know, certain companies, the ones some of the ones we wanted to talk to, or the ones we did talk to, um there was just an extreme lack in uh, professionalism of communicating with pros or pros agents, and so it was really frustrating trying to you know pursue certain things, and we were betting on ourselves from the start. Like that's how I've always been, and you know, Julian's a competitor, and so we would we got, you know, some offers or, and we looked down and we're like, no, we're going to be top 10 next year. Like weird. And we knew that. And so I told him, I was like, Hey, you know, we're going to pass for now on whatever the offers were that we got. And we know that, you know, bigger offers might come um, if we accomplish what we think we can do. And um, so, yeah, so there was like lack of professionalism um, on the business side and so that was really frustrating. And so the first thing I was thinking is I was like, "Man, I I, I know how to handle these conversations. I, I know how to make sure that these players feel heard and um, that they're part of the team, and they're not just, you know, being used." I guess. Um, and and besides that, it's like here's paddles. Besides that, we don't we don't talk to you. We don't communicate. So um, that was a little frustrating. But um, also what we saw is the the technology changing and just new paddles coming out that we liked better and we felt that if we got locked into a contract which would be a year or two years that we could get locked in with a paddle company where um you know they don't advance their paddle in that next year and that there is a better tool out there and julian can't use it because he's signed by a, a you know a certain paddle company and when we saw that um with a lot of paddle companies in the last year and a half like certain players signed by, you know, some of the bigger paddle companies, they, they, they hadn't released a carbon fiber, you know, T700 um, paddle yet. And i you know, we all felt that they were at a disadvantage and and we didn't want Julian to be locked into something that um, he wouldn't be able to have say and say, Hey, you know, we can change this. Let's, you know, stay with the times. Let's, you know, innovate. Let's, you know, try, try what's going on or, you know, be, be, you know, be able to like, you know, just, I didn't want Julian to not be able to compete at the highest level with the best tool. And so, you know, we got to a point where we were like, okay, um, yeah, let's, you know, let's pursue this. Let's bet on ourselves. And um, I, I have excitement and, you know, taking a couple loves of mine, which is pickleball and, you know, business. And, you know, after eight months, we were having a lot of success, you know, with Julian, um, you know, competing at such a high level and, and having some, you know, major tournament wins and, um, and being some really big names. So like we were, we're like, okay, we're, we're doing really good with our first project, which was like get top 10 in the year. And then got to the point where it was like, okay, you know, do we want to pursue this? And Julian and I are, um, right now, you know, we're still, we're still in the early process of it, but, um, yeah, those were the main driving factors was the professionalism on the business side. And then the idea of being locked into a contract where, um, we may not have the best paddle available in six months. Um, yeah, those, that's what I'd say.
0: Absolutely. So how are you doing things differently given that Valair has sponsored athletes?
1: Yeah. Um, So right now we have, um, four, four sponsored athletes and I've known, I've like, I've known Wes since one of Julian's first tournaments. And in the beginning of Julian's tournaments, I was traveling, I traveled with Julian, you know, a couple times, um, because him traveling all around the country was very new. He had not even been to like the East coast before, um, being a professional pickleball player. So, um got to know Wes really well. Um, and just, he, I think everyone knows this. Wes is the nicest guy in pickleball. Like everybody loves Wes. Um, and so as we're talking about this, I, you know, this idea, um, behind the scenes, I'm able to like reach out and like at least like gauge if there's any interest and see if that's something that, you know, some of these other pros want to be a part of. And, um, you know, my main goal of like how to treat the players differently was to you know they have direct access to me um you know they can got stuff to julian too but like for a lot of the operations um and everything besides what julian's you know doing on the court and like representing valer as the face of it um you know a lot of the stuff i'm doing like they can directly reach out to me and say hey i have an idea or i have a question or what about this and and I've had a lot of really good conversations with every pro of like, you know, just, I don't know. I wouldn't consider it the, the typical, you know, um, sponsored pro and, you know, business relationship. I'm not saying it's not out there. I, I know it is pickleball is a small sport overall and, and the community is very tight, but just giving them that experience that like they matter, um, you know, more than just the results and that they're holding the paddle. Um, so yeah, like, that that's how I've been treated different. Like I've been very prompt on, um, anytime anyone's owed money, um, or, you know, that there's a deadline or or what they're expected to do. Like, I just have it very organized so that it doesn't feel, you know, chaotic or stressful for them. Um, whenever I feel that I'm like running behind on something, I just keep them updated and say, Hey, you know, this is not on track. This is, we a, we're going to have a new timeline soon and just really keep them in the loop of what is going on, you know, overall, um, just so that they know and that they, you know, feel included that they are part of the family. So, you know, Wes, just stand-up guy, partnered with Julian at the very beginning of his career, um, and I, his skill is for, for how much he was playing, a, you know, when he first partnered with Julian, like he hadn't even practiced for months and they went out there and competed pretty well. And I was like, Wes, you got to go, you got to get back at this full time. Like, I I see what you can do. And, you know, he, he knows what he can do. And so he's been training a lot more. And so yeah, having Wes and then Emily, I never met Emily, but Emily went to Cal Poly and Julian and I being from San Luis Obispo and Cal Poly being in San Luis Obispo, like right away, I'm like, I want to, want to work with Emily and Emily had played in a tournament with Julian a while ago. And, um, had known Wes for a very long time. Um, Emily just put together a really nice post about Wes and how she's known Wes. I forgot how many years, but like, since Emily was extremely young. Um, so that was really cool. Um, I didn't know the extent of like how long they'd known each other, but I think it went back to the days of Wes, I'm guessing doing tennis. Um, and then, Grant, I had met at a tournament in Arizona, uh, had dinner with him when I was out in Arizona with Julian and uh just really nice guy. Um, you know, and so like when we were reaching out, like we reached out to people that we um, uh, you know, we started with the people that we're like really good friends with and you know, that they would understand that we are gonna do all the things that we say we're gonna do because being a company that didn't exist yet. You know, I did talk to some other, you know, top pros that, you know, obviously they know Julian, but they didn't know me. And so when I'm reaching out and trying to say all these things I'm going to do, they didn't, they, you know, I look at it and I say, they shouldn't believe that I'm going to do all those things. And so the people we did connect with and, and did sign as of now, like they all believed in us before they even like had a paddle like pretty much like Wes didn't even have a paddle. He never even tried it. And he's like, I'm going to sign with you guys. Like I'm going to, you guys, I just want to work with you guys. You guys are my friends. Um, and you know, we get along great. And so it was a lot more about the relationship than anything else with Wes. And he's like, I don't even care what paddle I have in my hand. I'll go compete. It doesn't matter. I was like, Oh, cool. So, so yeah, just really that that's, you know, that's kind of how we're trying to do it different. And like right now, uh, we might sign like another pro or two in the near future, but overall, like that's, we're, we're, I think we're overall good with our like um, tournament pros as of now. Um, you know, that was our, we wanted to come out with a bang and have, you know, four or five, six pros all using the paddle at the beginning um, of when we release um, just to, you know, show that it's not just Julian using a signature paddle. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at with like the pro aspect. and And now we're going to focus on Uh, a lot of other aspects of the business, because, um, in the big picture, the, what goes on at the pro level and following the pros, like it's a very small percentage of pickleball players. Like most pickleball players are, you know, you're, you're go to the park. I just want to get a good workout. And, um, you know, they may not follow the pros at all. So now I really want to tap into those, um, different communities and, and really, you know, get our paddles into people's hands because as of now, everyone that's had our paddle, they, they really enjoy it. So I just want to get into as many hands as I can, um, and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I can definitely attest to that. Um, being around you in Austin, you know, like me being able to try a paddle, but also like a lot of the people that we play with, everyone's really enjoying it. And you're talking about people who are using the Hyperion, using the other different lines of Yola. Um, yeah, They're using the diadems, they're uh, using a, Electrum, um, a little bit everything. And people are definitely seeing something a little bit different. Um, and, you know, you do have a different way of looking at how to build relationships within business. And it's definitely showing in Pickleball, given, you know, you already have your pro talent figured out. Is there something that you can tell us that you're doing differently with the ambassador program
1: um also I've been learning a lot about ambassador programs the last geez like two three weeks like I I don't know I've been just literally reading everything I possibly can and I'm learning how other ambassador programs kind of have worked and um yeah I think we're gonna be putting together an ambassador program that a couple ways I think it's gonna be different I think well what we're going to be giving out as a commission per paddle um it's going to be higher than anywhere I've seen and that is like you know I want people that you know if first off I want you to like the paddle like before you even get into like hey I want to be an ambassador like you know if you don't like the paddle like I don't want you trying to sell it it just feels unauthentic at a certain point um so you know after someone likes the paddle um being able to make you know a good commission per paddle, I think is really important. Um, I know there's a lot of ambassador programs out there and I feel that if we don't have a good uh, financial incentive that people will be an ambassador and then see another ambassador program that, you know, might have a decent or good paddle and and just jump from one to another and really not, you know, become a Valera ambassador where they're like, you really repping the company and, you know, are a part of our ambassador family, which you know, I I want someone to be an ambassador for, you know, as long as they enjoy playing pickleball. Um, so financial incentive is, you know, one way that we're going to come out of the gate and like say, Hey, you know, here's a pretty strong financial incentive and your community gets like a 10% discount. So as they're selling these paddles, um, they get a commission and their friend or family or whoever they are selling the paddle to also gets a little discount. Um, and then on top of that, we are gonna be, you know, highlighting a lot of um our ambassadors and as we're doing now, like we 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 have pro content, which you know we like to post, but like this Valer is not gonna be the Julian show. Like um, you know, as we continue to grow, Valer, the goal is for Valer to be um, you know, Julian to be he is a co-founder and he's going to always have input and be doing a lot of the testing on the paddle side and, um, you know, just testing everything and and really, you know, being our feedback because he is just so dialed in with um, how things feel and um, what he prefers. And so, you know, we want to highlight a lot of our ambassadors, um, highlight their successes. And, um, you know, on top of that, we don't, like right now we don't have any merch available yet, but we will later. Um, I know right now we're going to incentivize where it's like after you sell, you know, 10 paddles that you're going to get one of our tour bags in either black or blue. And so those will be available, you know, at the end of February, hopefully. And um, so, and those bags are pretty cool. So just as they um, continue to sell paddles, like there's going to be just, um, you know, other, you know, things like a bag, but then like, I don't want to like say this is. I'm not going to put this in our ambassador program. Like, um, I guess like in the pitch, I'm not going to say, Hey, you know, top person gets this or that, but you know, some of our ambassadors, anyone that goes above and beyond, like I'm going to go out of my way to do stuff special just to make them feel that, you know, they really, that their work is, you know, appreciated and things like that, things that could happen. would be like, um, you know, like, private lesson with Julian or come to one of our camps or, um, you know, things like that, where they get to interact with, you know, some of the pros at the highest level, um, you know, whether, you know, it's playing games with them or um, I don't know, doing, coming to some, you know, Valera celebration. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, just, I don't have anything set in stone. is kind of what I'm getting at, but I want to do things like that to really reward people that are going above and beyond.
0: Yeah. And I think people will definitely appreciate that. Um, and, you know, we're coming up on the hour. So um, now you can kind of plug away, you know, like where can people find out more about the and help if you want to even uh, plug your ticket business? I know like tickets yeah. now are getting crazy. So yeah, plug away, man.
1: Yeah. So um, for pickleball, um, you can follow us at Blair pickleball. On Instagram. Um, And that's right now, Instagram is like our our main um, social that we're updating the most. Um, We're going to start doing a little bit more content on TikTok and Facebook. Um, But when it comes to the ticket company, I don't have anything to plug. I'm a behind the scenes company that just helps supply inventory for um, a lot of the secondary websites. So uh, I don't even have a direct website, but. Yeah, no. You know, we're going to have the information for the ambassador program announced in the next couple of weeks and um we'll do some posts on Instagram about how to apply and we'd love for everyone to apply and 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 really, you know, first off get to experience our paddle, but then also, you know, rep our brand and um hopefully make a little bit of money along the way. Um but no, thank you so much for having me and uh this was this was fun. Got to go down memory lane a little bit on some some, some different situations that I haven't thought about, you know, in a while or been prompted to answer in a while.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we could capture, uh, kind of some of your history and your entrepreneurial spirit and your brain and the way you look at things. I think this has definitely been, uh, very exciting one, something that I learned a lot about, um, even though I've known you for like two years, these are things that I don't get to normally experience, but, you know, really appreciate your time today and excited to push this one out and have everyone listen. Uh, if you have any last final words, feel free.
1: Um, I, I don't know anyone that stopped playing pickleball, you know, for the most part. So, um, you know, pickleball is going to keep growing and, um, you know, this is, it's a, it's a passion of of mine and it's passion of yours. And that's why we're, you know, doing things like this interview and I just, you know, I, I love the pickleball community. I've never experienced so much support um, from people I don't even know. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, we've had a lot of reach out and say, hey, like, how can I help you? Like, I want to support Julian and you in any way we can. And um, so thank you to everyone that has helped us get to where we're at now and, and, and who's going to help us, um, you know, continue to, to be relevant in this um, sport that's just absolutely exploding.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again for your time and have a good one, everyone.
1: Awesome. Have a good day.